NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former NBA swingman Detlef Shrimp and whether or not he should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And joining us in just a moment to discuss Detlef's career and Hall of Fame candidacy is host and producer at Buckets, Zach Schwartz. Before we bring Zach on, let's talk a little more about Detlef. So Detlef had a 16-year NBA career, uh, started in 1985 with Dallas and ended in 2001 with Portland. But I think most of us think of Detlef as a Seattle Supersonic, where he made the NBA Finals in 1996, as well as an Indiana Pacer, where he became the first European player ever, ever in NBA history to be elected to the All-Star team when he was elected in 1993 uh, as a member of the Indiana Pacers. And that year, he put up uh, 19 points per game, 9.5 boards, and 6 assists. So a very versatile player. Uh, you know, Detlef was born in Germany. Uh, he came over to the United States uh, as a, for his senior year in high school and then played four years at Washington before coming to the NBA. And, you know, he was a 6'10", 235-pound small forward, also played some power forward. And one of the better players of the 90s. He was a three-time All-Star in the 90s, and as well as made the 1995 All-NBA third team. He was also a great bench player, a two-time six-man of the year award winner. And for his career, he averaged 14 points per game, six boards, and three assists. On an extremely efficient 49% from the field, 38% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. He had 15,761 career points. 7,023 career rebounds, and 3,833 career assists. So again, across the board, he was always filling up a box score, a great defender as well, and, and again, a member of some really great Seattle teams um, in, in the mid-90s with Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. Uh, again, Detlef, one of the pioneers uh, coming over from Europe to play in the NBA, as I said earlier. He made that 1993 All-Star team, the first European player ever to make the all-star team. He didn't have this, you know, great European career before he came to the NBA. Like some of those early pioneers, uh, the Ku coaches, um, the Sabonises, the Vladi Divox. However, when he did play internationally and he did for the German team, he, he really excelled. Uh, in the 84 Olympics, he averaged 19 points per game and eight boards. And those 1992 uh, Barcelona Olympics, we all think of the dream team, Detlef for Germany was averaging 23 points per game and 10 boards. So, yes, he didn't play in the, the European basketball leagues, but he did play, um, you know, for the Olympic team for Germany twice. And he he was really one of the best players in both of those Olympics um, when he played in 84-92. But, again, we think of him NBA career, 16-year career, but also had some great moments for the German uh, Olympic team. Uh, and today, again, Zach and I are going to talk about Detlef's career, uh, his candidacy, you know, why he's not in the Hall of Fame today, because he's been eligible for a while. And then at the end of the episode, like we always do, we're talking about, you know, do we think he should be in? So with the quick facts out of the way, let's bring on Zach. All right. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, host and producer over at Buckets, Zach Schwartz. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. Life's good. You know, no complaints. 
Yeah, no, it is Friday. It is Friday morning. And Zach and I were just chatting before this, but we're excited today because we're talking 90s basketball. And whenever I get to talk 90s basketball, it's my sweet spot. Out of everything I talk about, it's when I fell in love with the sport. Um, and the player that we're talking about today, honestly, one of my first basketball memories as a six-year-old watching the 1996 NBA Finals, he was against my Chicago Bulls, but still, mm. I very distinctly remember watching him. And that is Detlef Shrimp, and we're going to talk today about Detlef's career and his Hall of Fame candidacy. And, and Zach, uh, the first question I'm going to ask you here today, and I ask all my guests this at the beginning, it's it's a simple one to get us warmed up here, but you know, I don't know how often Detlef comes up in conversation these days, but when yeah. you think of him, you see a clip, I guess, what's the first thing that's come to your mind? Let's see. So I grew up in Seattle. Okay. So I was born in Seattle. Uh, my dad went to the University of Washington at the oh, same wow. time. Oh, wow. Con- you have connections here then. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. So my dad knew Detlef. I like actually knew him when I was, you know, growing up and stuff like that. So I have, I have been a Detlef fan for a very, very long time. That, that Bulls finals that you're talking about, one of my first kind of memories of sports heartbreak as a Sonics fan. Um, but Detlef was uh, amazing. He, he's been amazing to the city of Seattle. He was an amazing Sonic. He was an amazing Pacer. He was an amazing, well, the Trailblazer time, he was kind of there. And I don't necessarily think he ne- he thought he'd have to play as much and Pippen gets hurt. And so he's got to play more. And But just the longevity and the career he had was incredible. And he's one of the I think, most important Seattle athletes ever. And one of the best ambassadors for the city. Um, so I, I'm, I've been a long time Detlef fan and uh, on and off the basketball court. Yeah. And, and Detlef has had a super successful career. I think off the court following the NBA, yeah. I, is he's he's not the CEO of a company, is he? It's like some capital group or yeah, some capital management group. He was in. I threw on Twitter last night. I was doing this because I just want to see if anyone had any good Detlef stories. Eight people mentioned Parks and Rec. I think that's what a lot of people know him from too. Yeah. Those few episodes, but yeah, for me, uh, again, that '96 Finals. It's it's Kemp, it's Payton, but their big three was Detlef, and you know he was a little older at that point in Seattle, but you know six ten two forty. Super solid. And in that finals, he went 16-5-3, and three, um, you know, third leading score on that team. And and he was a problem. And, and I yeah. remember him standing out. And, and again, back in the 90s, a 6-10 guy who could shoot from outside. I mean, in today's NBA, right? They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. But, but, in the, but... But, in, but in the 90s, that, that was rare. If not, he was the only one really doing it. Um, I think... it yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, well, you go ahead. I was going to say, I think that if you look at today's game, like there are very few, not very few guys, but there are guys that you can point to that maybe were in the league at the wrong time. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case for Delif, but I do think that like, you know, the career average of like 16 points per game, that's probably a lot higher one because scoring is higher now in general. So he's probably getting more buckets, but two, he was a fucking good three point shooter. And oh, like yeah. that, that was at a time that, like you had said, he's six ten. There, it's kind of frowned upon to shoot from the outside when you're that tall. It's get get your butt in the paint and box out and get rebounds, which he was also good at. Um, but I, I do think 
if he comes around a bit later, it's he has an even better career. And he was very athletic. I think that his ability to guard multiple positions is something that um, was such a wonderful tool for the Sonics to have. But it's something that in today's NBA, oh, my God, 6'10", and he can guard guys much smaller than him. He, he's willing to guard guys that are bigger than him. Um, and I think in general, the like, we don't really have bruisers down in the paint like we did back then. Um, it just is more of a finesse game. We I remember we had Boogie Cousins on uh, our podcast, and I asked him about Chet Holmgren. And I was trying to bait Boogie into giving me like a soundbite that he would just cook Chet. And he's like, well, we don't play that way anymore. Like, yeah. you know, he's like, he's going to be outside. I'm going to be chasing him around. He's going to have a great career. And I think that if you look at someone like Detlef, who had to exist in the, you know, in the nineties and late eighties of, you know, just grinder brute, like absolute brutes down low. Um, he gets to play in today's game where he doesn't have to deal with those guys where there's a lot more finesse and skill. I think uh, it's fair to say, I think he has even more points. I think he has even more assists. So. That's yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he, for his career, uh, only averaged 1.1 three-point attempts per game, uh, shooting 38% for his career. But yeah, in today's NBA, he's getting six, seven attempts a game. Uh, he's getting an extra two, three points per game. And in 95, he shoots 51% from three on 2.2 attempts. So pretty crazy. The, 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 the guy, the guy could, I mean, 51% is absurd. It's Again, it's, it's only on 2.2 attempts, but still he's 32 years old at that point. You know, if he comes in today's NBA, he, he he's out he's living out there and mm -hmm. and yeah i mean he's averaging maybe 23 24 points per game and you know zach i was struggling i was really struggling this morning i was like you know who is his if he's in the nba today like who who is he and mm. I, I have some names here i don't like any of them i'm, I'm gonna mm. be honest but you know i was thinking like a, a pascal siakam type i was thinking a josh giddy who could shoot but not as Giddy's. good a vision yeah i was thinking like a supercharged kyle anderson like the best version of kyle anderson you've ever seen or even like a scotty barnes a little bit a desmond mm. bain and anybody today that really reminds you of deadlift because it it was not an easy task no i'm trying to think like uh, franz wagner like i i don't uh, know i don't know what they little like, franzi yeah i like yeah that. but i i don't it's hard because there's like one of the things in his game that I think that uh, goes a little underlooked is like, you know, he did a lot of rebounding in the nineties. And I think he that did. like have anyone that's averaging like seven, eight rebounds in nineties style basketball is like, you've seen some stuff like yeah. that's, that's like you, you dropped into D day is that that's, that is what, that is how chaotic. And I think scary it was to rebound back then, but his passing, is unbelievable. And I think that that's one of the things again, um, like you're talking about, you mentioned Kyle Anderson and you mentioned some of these guys that are like taller guys that can play that. Like, what do you call it? Point forward sort of style yeah. where it's like big man that facilitates the offense. Um, I think that there are aspects of his game that I'm like, you know, like the way that the warriors can use Draymond to like run the offense, but, Detlef was a much better shooter than Draymond. Um, and there are things that Draymond does, you know, better than Det did. But yeah, I, I think that I don't know who his comp is. I I also sort of sat last night and this morning 
looking through like NBA reference off of like Same. similar shooting percentages, rebounds, assists, and it's really difficult for me to find a comp because I think that when you one, you look at the numbers and they're good, but then you watch the highlights and you're like, there are things he's doing that he would do once or twice a game that the coaches were probably like on the sideline, like, you know, like we don't need you doing that. Just get in the paint. It's such a, it was such a simplified game in that way during the nineties versus now the passing and way he could facilitate an offense. I think coaches would have been like, Oh shit. Yeah. We should be doing that all the time. And I think those numbers go higher. Yeah, and I got some really dumb groupings I'm going to do with you later of just how unique of a player he was. Um, you you like you said the rebounding. He almost averaged ten rebounds a game one year, um, and as you said in the '90s, I mean you you got Rodman, you got all those centers down there banging down low. Like you, that was not for the weak. Uh, no. Nine and a half, nine nine and a half rebounds um, in a season. You had to bang down low with Oakley, Anthony Mason. I mean, I could mm. go on and on. There's some bodies down here, but Zach, I do want to move to our next segment. Yeah, please. Um, we call this that memorable moment. And this can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a single play you remember. It can be a stretch of games. It could be the 96 finals. It could be an entire season. And it's really for you, like, if I was like, Detlef Shrimp, what was his most memorable moment, most memorable year, whatever, what would it be? And, and you know, I had a little trouble with this one. I'm curious what you came up with. So what would you say his most memorable moment was of his career? I would say that 96 season, because <laughs> there was so much asked of him during that year as far as styles to play. And I think that one of the most admirable things about him is it was, you know, Gary Payton is very, very talented. Gary Payton is not always the easiest guy to get along with. And you have Sean Kemp. And so there was, I think, a lot of not chaos is the wrong word, but there was just a lot to to be done in that with that Sonics team and to be sort of the calming presence i mean you know detlef is a very like even keel guy like a very even keel and i think that to be the kind of calming presence with that uh 96 team is one of the things that helped them get to where they got to i also think that they asked him some games to guard certain guys you know and and are they, you know, it's a pretty brutal matchup for him because, you know, Kemp's got to do this and GP's guarding, you know, their point guard or guard, whatever it is. And, um, you know, I think that we they talked, you know, in, in Last Dance, they talk a lot about Gary Payton guarding Michael Jordan. It's like, well, get Detlef also had a lot of time. He had to guard MJ and he had to guard Pippen and someone else. You know, there was there were other guys to there was another guy on that Bulls team to stop whether Michael Jordan wants to give shine to that guy or not and uh, so that would be the first thing that comes to mind the second thing that comes to mind and it's not really a, a like a true basketball moment sure but it's that um god it was on one of the tnt broadcasts they mentioned detlef shrimp and the way that the whole panel stopped and were like that was a bad boy like you had Shaq, chuck kenny all of them like that was a bad man and the way that they all appreciated his game is awesome. Like I, th- I just think that that's a really, uh, like a a wonderful cosign. 
No, it speaks volumes. And again, like it's not like when you think of the 90s, Delif is not probably one of the first names that come up, but but that happens throughout history. And, and it, when the players that played against them are saying that, especially guys like Barkley and who out, it, it matters a lot. The the one I had down, and this is gonna be one of my dumb lists already. Uh, but you know, I look at the 93 season. Um, he makes his first all-star appearance that year. And believe it or not, first European ever to be elected to an all-star game. Um, it was him. And in that 93 season, um, you know, he averages about 19 points a game, about 10 boards and six assists. And I think mm. that season really shows his versatility, right? Um, he's on the the Pacers that year. Um, the, the true averages were 19.1 points, 9.5 boards and six assists flat. Um, again, for that Pacers team that was pretty soon before he went to to the Sonics. And I was thinking like that level of versatility Again, today, you know, you, you see it maybe a little more. People are putting up triple doubles like it's nothing anymore. But again, the 90s, a little tougher to do that, especially those rebounding numbers, that 9.5, yeah. very high. So I was like, okay, in the 90s, who else put up those numbers? And again, this is why it's dumb. I put up, the, the you know, over 19.1 points per game, over 9.5 boards. So it's very mm. specific to Detlef. But over that whole decade, Zach, Detlef got at least those numbers across the board. How many other players do you think did that in the nineties? This is for, this is nine boards and how many. Did so you say so this is at least 19.1 points, oh, it, at yes. least 9.5 boards and at least six assists per game in the nineties. How many players? I don't think many. I think probably less than six. Two. The player, any guesses of the players before I just announce them to you? No, no, I couldn't even. So an, an old Larry Bird. Okay. Makes sense. And, and Grant Hill. That's it. And wow. Grant Hill, Larry Bird. And they're, so, they're guys that you would say, yeah, they belong in the course. Hall of Fame without of batting course. an eye. And, yeah. And, and they, yeah. And they do. And and again, I'm not saying Detlef Shrimp was as talented as either of those guys. He's not. But the versatility, I think that's what stands out when I look back at his game and I actually, you know, I test, I always saw it, but but if you really just look at the numbers, like he's in rare air in terms of his ability to score, rebound, mm. and pass. And again, like if you look at his percentages for his career, he was always hyper-efficient when the NBA didn't care as much about being hyper-efficient. And I just, I couldn't imagine him playing in today's game. I think you would appreciate how efficient just he was from the field and how good of an all-round player he was even more than maybe they did back then. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I want to move to our next segment here, and this is going to be, I think, even tougher than than that memorable moment. And this is and twins. And what we do, Zach, is we look at the Hall of Fame today. Yeah. And we go, you know, who's in already and who reminds us of Detlef? And it can be the way they played the game. It can be from a statistical standpoint, how their career arc kind of played out. It could be whatever you want it to be, really. And you have to pick a twin. And no one's perfect by any means, but it's just like, you know, who's close again, another category I struggle with curious who you came up with. Is there anyone in the hall today that you're like, yeah, his game was very similar to deadlifts. I similar is maybe a stretch. I did <laughs> want to go through and look like, cause I went through and was like, who's someone in the hall of fame that's gotten in recently. That's a little bit like, and it was Tony Kukoc, and I'm yep. sorry to do it to Tony. I think he's a wonderful player, and I'm not saying he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, 
But Detlef had better points per game, better rebounds, and better assists throughout his entire career than Tony Kukoc. I mean, now granted, there are years that Tony had higher ones than Detlef comparatively, but his highest of highs is still not as high as Detlef's. And Detlef did it, I think, for a longer span than Tony Kukoc did. Yes, the rings are the rings, but are those Tony Kukoc rings or are those Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman? Um, that's that's sort of where I look at that. That it was that one in particular, just because um, I think it's hard. Like you know, the last two Hall of Fame classes, you go look at those guys and it's like, okay, whose spot would you pluck out? And I, I, I there isn't anyone necessarily there. And then you go back one more, and it's. You see Tony Kukoc, and I didn't even want to go back further than that because I just was like, okay, this is a good person from the 90s who um, had a good career. Let's look at the numbers. And the numbers are, you know, Detlef had better numbers uh, across the board. Yeah, no, and, and Tony Kukoc, Detlef, right? Similar size, kind of similar game, all-around talent. You, you you nailed it. Like, Tony, yeah, did win the three championships with the Bulls. But never made an All-NBA team, never made an All-Star team. You know, Detlef made All-NBA third team one year. He was a three-time All-Star. And his numbers across the board, career, you know, mm-hmm. season by season, they're better than Tony. What You know, what Tony got, why Tony's in is because, you know, the international committee, the international piece got him in. You know, before he got to America, he dominated in Europe for many yeah. years. And he was very dominant in the Olympics, uh, other than 92 when, you know, Pippen and Jordan had it out for him. and. <laughs> This is where it gets tricky with Detlef um, because there's a North America committee that, that, you know, puts people in the hall of fame based really on their NBA college career. And then there's an international committee. That's kind of a mix of what they did in the NBA and what they did um, in Europe. And, and the weird thing about Detlef, right. Is he grew up in Germany. He came over to America for one year, of high school in Washington, played college basketball in Washington, then get to the NBA. Tony, right, he's he's over in Europe his whole time until he gets the NBA. So he has all these accolades in Europe that he could put up. And when you look at the early 90s European players, the early pioneers, let's say, of European basketball, because today we know Europeans dominate the NBA. You look at Tony, you look at Vlad Divac, you look at Drazen Petrovic, mm. Arvedis Sabonis, Dino Raja. All of those guys are in the Hall of Fame today. And they all came into NBA around the same time. And they're all in the Hall of Fame because the international committee put them in because of their international exploits. It's Detlef is almost like he had a better NBA career than all of those guys I just named. Yeah. Easily, easily better. But the fact is, he I don't know if he it's a gets unfairly knocked or what, but he almost came over too early. He played college ball here. He's almost looked at as an American, uh. even though he's a, he's a guy who came from Germany. And again, this is where it gets very awkward with the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm going to say all of them. It's it's a little imperfect. There's mm. not very strict criteria of you know who the international committee should put in, who the North American should put in. But Detlef, Detlef I think gets knocked against those guys because he doesn't have like Tony Kukoc was like Mr. Europe for like three years. And they, they all have Olympic gold medals. Detlef never won with Germany. It's a very weird thing because yes, if you're putting Tony Kukoc Detlef head to head, Detlef's a way better NBA player, but Tony's international career carries him and it carries those other guys too. And it's really like, how, how do you separate? Yeah. And that, and that's the big question here. I mean, do you like Zach, you know, 
I don't, I don't think any, like I follow the NBA hall of fame. It's very confusing to everyone. You don't know who the voters are. Yeah. Like internet, like how do you view Dellif? Do you, do you think of him as yeah, this guy's an international guy? You just think of him, you know, he played basketball at Washington. He's just an NBA guy. That's all I really look at him as. I, yeah, I, I think, I think it's hard. I, th- I, I think he's an international guy. Obviously I think that, uh, or I view him as an international guy because of the, you know, the, his time in Germany playing for the German, you know, national team and working through that, like working with them. I think, um, I think the other part of it is that like, yes, his road was obviously different than guys who then played in Europe for multiple years as a professional. And then, you know, got into the NBA. But I think that his uh, importance in developing the road for so many of the international guys that would then get into the league that, that, you know, I think he's the first guy you can kind of point to that. Um, I, I think he's the first guy, if you look at history and, you know, the knocks that people had against European players, that he's one of the first people that kind of dissolves some of those, that yeah. he's not soft that he yep. will defend that uh he can go rebound for you and that he can fit into the box of uh american brand basketball or nba basketball from the 90s that's more uh what's the, like i've said before bruiser and kind of uh i hate to say simplistic but simplistic that that a european player can fit into the box um and it's not to say that Dallas game is simplistic, but it's just to say that what the what they were asking guys to do, certainly six ten and taller guys to do, was simplistic compared to what those guys could do uh, in Europe. And I think that Detlef paved the way for so many of the European guys by showing, now I can come in and do the dirty work. You don't need to fear uh, that I'm going to be, you know, a pain in the ass or that I'm going to not be what you want me to be yeah and just again he he came over early so he doesn't have anything in europe but like he did play in two different olympics he played in two different euro basketball championships he's in the fiba hall of fame so that's what i was gonna say yeah they considered him good enough and let me tell you like when he was in the olympics like in 84 he averaged 19 he's like a kid he's in college still he averages 19 points a game and he averages eight boards and then the 92 olympics he goes 23 and 10 um, all time in the in Olympic history, he's 30th all time in career points, 12th all time in rebounds, 42nd wow. in assists, and 39th in steals. Like when he played, he didn't medal, but he he tore it up. Yeah, I mean, you for sure, and I that was one of the notes I had written down was that he is in that FIBA Hall of Fame, and so yeah. internationally, he is acknowledged and recognized for his importance in developing that pipeline to the league. You mentioned earlier that, you know, do I view him as an international or as a guy that came to Washington, played at University of Washington, and isn't just an NBA guy? Well, you know, okay, so who would be the best Washington basketball alumni if you were to make a list? That's in my brain, Brandon Roy, Nate Robinson come to mind. Dallas has more career NBA points than those two guys put together. Now, obviously, Brandon Roy's career shortened. But, you know, he still had 6,000 points. Nate Robinson also in the 6,000 points. Detlef had 15,000 points or 16,000 points during his career. And so I think if you look uh, at it as like a guy who played college ball and then got to the league, well, like, you know, amongst his own alumni, he's 
he is head and shoulders above anyone else that came out of Washington. Um, and I, you know, I'd put him against any of the guy, a lot of the guys that came into the league from the PAC 12 in general. And so, uh, from that era, um, so yeah, I think, I think, um, the internet, you bring up a good point though, about the international voting. And that's something I wasn't necessarily familiar with. Yeah, no, it's in, trust me, not many people are because it's, they have like seven committees. It's confusing as hell. And you never yeah. know even who's getting in. And a lot of people get in every year. Um, but I think he, I think he's on this weird kind of fence. He's kind of a candidate for both. And if he just was focused in on one, I think he'd fare much better, but because they have these committees, I, I don't know if each committee knows really how to, how to view him. And before we move on to our final segment here, just really quick, my twin, um, not even close to being perfect here because kind of different players, but I have another dumb list I wanted to bring up. I have Chris Mullen down, um, who obviously much shorter, not the rebounder that that Detlef was whatsoever, but one of the best shooters in the 90s, of course, played on the 92 Dream Team uh, and is in the Hall of Fame. And the reason I want to bring up Mullen, is because I talked earlier about how efficient uh, uh, Detlef was, right? Mm. Uh, shot 49% from the field for his career, 38% from three and 80% from the free throw line. So oh, in Detlef's career, he had over 15,000 career points. He played a long time. He scored a number of points. So he had those field goal, he had those percentages, right? He's a 49, uh, 38, 80 guy. And he had over 15,000 points. How many players do you think, Zach, in NBA history had those percentages at least and scored over 15,000 points? In history, not 90s, history. Oh, good question. Like 25 guys, maybe? 30 guys? Five other guys. Wow. That's it. Holy shit. You, you want to hear some you want to hear some big names here? Yeah. So so it Chris Mullins on there because you know that's how I kind of got to him. Listen to these names. Kevin Durant. Wow. John Stockton. Steve Nash. And then I got to do an episode on this guy because he's showing up and I don't appreciate him enough. Jeff Hornacek. Wow. That's so, crazy. so again, over 15,000 points. So you show off the volume, mm. but then 49% field goal percentage, 38% from three, 80% from the free throw line. It's Durant, Stockton, Mullen, Nash, Hornacek, and Detlef. That's it. NBA history. Wild. It's wild. So, so again, that's the company of, uh, and he's six foot 10, right? Yeah. Like the only, those are all guards. And then it's Kevin Durant and him. So again, everyone listening, relax, <laughs> not comparing Kevin Durant to Detlef. I'll do it now. When we are talking to about height and we are talking about skill and efficiency, like they're in the ballpark from efficiency standpoint, not volume and, and not overall skill, but it just like, Detlef's not accidentally falling into that group. Mm. Like, like he was that level of shooter. And I just, I want everyone to see that. Like it's, it's pretty wild that company he's keeping it's guards, yeah. him and Durant. It It is. I mean, it is too bad because you obviously see the scoring influx, not from just defense or lack sure. of defense in today's game, but you see the scoring influx from just how much quicker teams get up and down the court, get up the court, get the ball set, then score quickly what Jetlift's numbers could have been. And then you obviously talk about the shooting percentages and his ability to shoot from outside. And then the three point revolution. I just, 
I'm very I it, I'm very curious where he would have been at percentage and or not necessarily percentage but points per game um assists per game as the game has increased scoring volume. Yeah, I'd love to drop him in, uh, you know, a 28-year-old deadlift into the day's NBA and just play out a season, simulate a season yes, for him, simu- see what yeah, happens. Yeah, 100%. Oh, would love it. Uh all right, Zach, let's go to our final segment. Um we call this court you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Mm. And, and we've been doing this throughout. You know, it's it's pros, it's cons, but there's a few things I always like to cover here that honestly I have the most fun with. And, and we're going to start off with something I love to do is just talking about, you know, contemporaries, because we can talk about, you know, dropping Detlef into today's NBA and what he would do and all that stuff. But I think when you're talking about someone's career, their legacy, uh, their Hall of Fame candidacy, you got to look at, you know, who is playing the game when he was playing? Mm. How did he compare to them? So I was looking at, you know, Detlef played a a good amount of power forward, but I think of him as a small forward. I think of him as 6'10 small forward uh, in the 90s. And I was thinking about, you know, who are his contemporaries? Who are the best small forwards in the 90s? And I have some names here down, and and I kind of want you to, I want you to rank Detlef um, among these guys. So basically, I'm going to list some names here. And I want you to tell me, do you think Detlef was better than, than the name I say? So, you know, if I say Scottie Pippen, I'm, I'm going to guess you think Scottie Pippen was probably better. So you'd say, you know, Detlef wasn't. So you'd say no there. But if I say someone like Sean Elliott, I don't know, maybe you think Detlef's better. If you think so, you say yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's okay. a... There's a- TikTok account or someone that does it where it's they you name the player and I either say repeat the name that you said or say Detlef and so can I do it that way we, we can do it that way right, yeah I'll, I'll exactly. do it that way I'll do it that okay way. okay so 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 again we're thinking small forwards in the nineties uh, right. Scotty Pippen Scotty Pippen I like this way better I'm gonna do this from now on no, okay please. Uh, yeah and and again this is gonna throw you off a little bit it threw me off but because I think of this guy in the 80s but his career almost went through the whole 90s and he has to be on here but Dominique Wilkins Dominique Wilkins Grant Hill Grant Hill Chris Mullen Detlef wow yeah I'm biased I mean they, there's for sure bias sure. there's the Sonics guy but I just think that we praise Mullen so much because of that dream team and it's like if you take the dream team accolades out, I think there is, I think that you start to see what, see the forest through the trees or whatever the saying is. Sure. I think you start to see sort of the similarities in the games. And I also think that Mullen was asked to do more for that Warriors team than Detlef was for those Sonics teams. Yeah. And I think that if Sean Kemp isn't there and it's just GP and Detlef, Suddenly, Detlef's use rate goes way up and things change. Okay. Uh, Glenn Rice. Uh, this gets har- harder. Uh, Glenn Rice. Okay. Tony Kukoc. Detlef. Glenn Robinson. Yeah, this is a really hard game we're doing here. Uh, Detlef. Sean Elliott. Detlef. Larry Johnson. Detlef. Okay. So those are the names I kind of had down. Um, I don't think I forgot anyone. So you have Detlef coming in at fifth. You got yeah. uh you got Scotty, Dominique, and Glenn Rice ahead of him. Uh, and then you got Detlef. So 
the the way I look at any decade and when I'm looking at the basketball hall of fame, particularly, cause I I've covered this for baseball and football too. I always go, you know, were you top five at your position during kind of your main decade here, mm-hmm. your decade, you should be dominating. And it, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed in ever. I'm just, you know, you, you should be in the conversation and he's, he's right on the cusp, which is probably why we're doing this podcast right now. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree with you there. I, I had him and Glenn Rice kind of side by side. And I think Glenn Rice's peak was just a little better than Detlef's. He also, mm. Glenn Rice won a championship with the Lakers as kind of the third guy. I think people forget that a lot. Um, but Glenn Rice was an absolute problem and kind of honestly very similar to Detlef in terms of, you know, Glenn Rice was 6'8", but a sharp shooter from outside, very high percentages. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a Glenn Rice, like winning the All-Star Game MVP, he was also All-NBA second team a few years. I think he made All-NBA two years. Detlef only made one. But those guys I was very close on. Chris Mullen, it's interesting, you know, you have Detlef over him. I, I, I kind of might have Mullen over him because I agree with you. The 92 Dream Team thing really, really puts Mullen in this like shining light. Yeah, but, but Mullen low key made five All NBA teams, and and I have trouble Fair. like I have trouble looking past that. But Detlef definitely played on way better teams, was way more of a winner. And if I had to pick, you know, maybe who was more skilled, I think I'd probably pick Detlef. I, mm. I really do. So so I, I, I why I also, why Detlef over Mullen for you? That, that seemed almost kind of easy for you. Yeah, I, I think that one also boils down a lot to um, recency bias is the wrong term, but the way that they would exist in today's game. Sure. And I think that Detlef's, like we've talked about a bunch of times throughout this recording, is Detlef's skill set would translate very, very well to today. His shooting, his ability to pass and facilitate, uh, and then just the kind of raw athleticism that he had, I think, as well. Uh mixes for a combination that I think in today's game, he's absolutely cooking guys. Yep. And I don't necessarily think Chris Mullins game translates to today's game at all. Yeah. And maybe I'm way off on that, but so much of the Chris Mullen game that I've seen that existed really well in the nineties. But I think if you tried to have him play in today's game, that's a guy that you're kind of like, what is this? Like, how does, the, how did someone allow this to exist? And I could be again, wrong, but I, I just think that for me, I, I think I wait how guys played in their era and then how I think their game would look today in some mix of the two equations. And Yes, Chris Mullen was better than Detlef in his in his time. I think the 92 thing bolsters him. I think that if Detlef had won one championship, we probably it's a it's a longer conversation about their eras. So let's yeah. go to what would it look like today? And I think that the answer today is you would much rather have Detlef than Chris Mullen. I I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you on that one. I mean, yeah. to me, Mullen, and I think this might be a lazy comparison by me. I think of like Kevin Herter. Like, yeah. I, I feel like those are kind of similar, maybe because they're the sure. same height and they're white. But yeah. it, 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 like that to me is a, a little similar comp where Detlef in the NBA today. I mean, I think he I think he'd be an all star. He's mm. a six ten swingman that's shooting, you know, seven, eight threes a game, averaging 25 points a game. Like, I really think that's how he would fit in today's NBA. Um, and one more dumb stat for you, j- just because we're talking again, 
the thing I think also Detlef over Mullen, right? Mullen wasn't the rebounder that Detlef was. And I also think Mullen was the passer. I think he had him in terms of shooting, but I also think he shot, you know, a higher volume. And that's really why maybe his numbers look a little better. But one last stupid grouping for you tonight, or I would say I'm today, you know, for Detlef's career, he, uh, you know, scored 15,000 points. He had over 15,000 points, over 7,000 rebounds. He had over 3,000 assists. Um, if you look at NBA history, if you look at anyone like for exact purposes, he had 15,761 points, 7,023 rebounds, 3,833 assists, so almost 4,000 assists. If you look through NBA history and who hit all of those markers at least, last time I'm going to ask you an impossible question here, I promise. Oh, this is great. I love how, these. How many guys in NBA history have hit at least all of those markers across NBA history? So what it was six is it it's, sixteen thousand points? It's, it's fifteen thousand seven hundred and sixty-one points, seven thousand twenty-three rebounds, three thousand eight hundred and thirty-three assists. So again, super dumb club, but how many yeah. guys have done that in NBA history? At least all those markers. Oh, good question. How many guys? Yeah, I keep going too high on these, so I'm gonna try to say like I'm gonna say like 15 guys. Man, you're almost on the money. Ah, 16 other guys have damn. done it. Okay. Let me, okay. let me, let me Please. list these names. Cause the, I give these are the all timer, all timers. Yeah. I'll tell you the worst player on this list is probably Russell Westbrook. Um, so oh it's, my God. It's, it's, it's LeBron, LeBron, Kareem, Carl Malone, Kobe, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Duncan Pierce, John Halvacek, Kevin Garnett, Westbrook, Barkley, Bird, Paul Gasol, so maybe he's the worst, Pippen, Jason Kidd, and then Detlef. That's it. And and again, everyone's listening like, well, Jim, you're an idiot. You're doing these exact things. So even if I drop it down to 3,500 assists, okay? Yeah. Those other numbers, 3,500 assists, because that 3,800 is very specific. You only add three more players. The players you add are Dirk, Elgin Baylor, and Chris <laughs> Weber. And if you drop it all the way down to 3,000 assists, so it's a perfect 15K, 7K, 3K. So you could call it the 15K, 7K, 3K club. Only 26 total players. The only people we're adding are Shaq, Carmelo, Hakeem Olajuwon, Bob Lanier, Dolph Shays, and Jack Sikma. The one thing all these guys have in common, Zach, is they're all in the Hall of Fame or are locks to be in the Hall of Fame. So there's... 26 players in that club. Everyone's in the Hall of Fame except Detlef. So again, the 15 7K 3K club. Everyone's a Hall of Fame lock and then there's Detlef. It's just again, we are cherry picking a bit, but I yeah, want but- every, I want everyone to understand like the names I'm talking about here, there's there's no one else like hanging out there except Detlef and these guys. <laughs> it's That's it. incredible. I mean that yeah. is incredible and it shows sort of the like Every one of those guys, you would say that they like through either longevity or their ability to do everything in basketball, earn their way onto that list. Yeah. And in that list is fucking Detlef. And so he, you know, like I, you know, I, like I was looking through the list, I saw Powell made the Hall of Fame. And yep. I think Powell was obviously more impactful. Uh, first stretches of his career than Detlef obviously was. And I think that, De- you know, Powell is an unbelievable international player, but I think that, you know, I hope 
down the line as we continue to do voting, people are looking at things like this. That's why that's why we're here. We're we're just we're just we're picking through the numbers. So Zach, before we get to final verdict, last thing I want to ask you, just for your opinion here, like Detlef has not really ever gotten buzz around the Hall of Fame. Like not even like, oh, he's a finalist or anything like that. And he's been retired for a very long time. I mean, what do you think the number one thing right now? Like what, what what's keeping him off people's minds? Like, like what is it his, you know, you know, he only made three all-star teams, one all NBA team. Is it his lack of accolades? Is it because he never won that championship? His career numbers maybe don't stand out. What what do you think? What do you think's really keeping him back? The the biggest thing keeping him back right now? Sure. It's a it's a good question. Um I think the championship thing he would probably already be in if he had won one with the Sonics um, or with the Trailblazers. I think if, if either of the, I think those are probably the two teams that would have gotten the closest uh, to winning one. And I think if either of those teams had, I think he's probably in. Uh, to be very honest with you, the thing that I think, the thing that I think stops the conversation about why he's not in or like about uh, people having more of this conversation and more outcry for why a guy that's in that you know that club that you just read off isn't in the hall of fame is because the sonics don't exist anymore yeah and so you know i i i as a seattle kid have let go of my hatred of the thunder but it's and it's not on the thunder to bolster and showcase how wonderful uh, you know their you know past players are because he wasn't a thunder player and nor would Detlef want had to have anything to do with the Thunder. But because the Sonics don't exist and because, you know, you don't have guys chipping away at some of these records that he would have for franchise all-time, things like that, you don't see on a telecast, oh, you know, like, you know, say when James Harden or Kevin Durant or Serge Ibaka are playing for the Thunder, oh, tonight, you know, he's... They have finally passed for franchise all time Detlef on this list. And I think that that stuff, keeping people front of mind is important, especially in the minds of a voting body that we don't know who they are. But I think that without the Sonics existing, there's less ability to um, stump for him with yeah. anything. And so, you know, hopefully in the next, what, three to five years, we're supposed to get an expansion. Sonics go back to Seattle. You'll start to see them make the inroads into making sure he gets in. Because I think that in Sonics history, he's kind of the only guy that really should get in. It's been not in yet. I mean, obviously, Westbrook, Harden, Durant, but they'll go in as Thunder players. So no, no Sean Kemp love from you. I like Sean Kemp. I think he's wonderful. I think what I think when you like go look at the numbers and obviously Detlef put up better numbers like we have said in you know assists and in and certainly in I think career points Detlef has a lot uh more points than Sean Kemp and I think that Sean was unbelievable and very impactful for the culture of basketball but that the longevity with which he was at the height of his career pretty short if you really give it a look and there are a lot of reasons for that that are out, sadly outside of his control or were in his control, but are outside of basketball. And, um, you know, I just think that if we're, if we're going to stump for someone, it should be dead before him. And I also think that what Detlef has done for the, uh, city of Seattle as an ambassador, the things he does off the court, the things that he's proven off the court as a businessman, as, as a investor, 
um, are huge. And I think that he deserves uh, to be in the Hall of Fame. And um, yeah. Sorry, so, finally. I, no. I, I tried to hold it for you so long. You did so and good. And we're, get, we're, you're, get, we're getting there. You, oh, yeah, you, okay, you got it. it. So yeah. uh, the last segment here is final verdict. Okay. So you're going to go first. You kind of just gave me a sneak peek, but I'll let you talk a little more there. And then, and then I'll give my answers. But I asked you two questions here. You know, the first one, you know, do you think he should be in? I think you let that sneak out. So that's fine. And you can just reiterate that point really quick. Yep. But then the second question is, do you think he'll get in in the next 50 years. I used to say, do you think he'll ever get in? And people would be like, well, in 200 years, probably, but next 50 years. Oh, so, man. I mean, that's still a long time. I, I, yeah. I hope I'm around, but so first question, do you think he'll get in? Second question, do you think he'll get in the next 50 years? Okay. So I, I already have, you know, said, I, I think he belongs in, I think yes. he will get in. And, and I think that what you're doing today is so awesome for, not just the game, but like these families and the people who uh, share a name and legacy with some of these stars that haven't made it. They deserve things like what you do with this podcast. And I think that this is awesome. And um, I think that in the next 50 years, he will get in. I think that <clears throat> I would bet that when the Sonics come back into existence, it kind of helps spur get this thing along, move this thing along, spur this thing along in a way that I would say in the next 15, 15 years, he, he, okay. he gets it. Um, you know, it's hard. Cause you know, you're going to have a whole generation of a lot of these guys that were, you know, Oh four, Oh five class of absolute superstars or three Oh four Oh five, whatever it is um, getting in as they should. And I think that there needs to be, conscious efforts made to get him in either after those guys all get in um or sooner so yeah so for me i i, I do think detlef should get in but i want to be clear here so again there's a you know north american basketball like committee that votes for people like everyone thinks like when kobe and garnett and mm-hmm. those people get in that that's who's voting for him it's like the people that have recently retired so that committee votes. There's a women's committee um, for women's basketball players. Then there's contributors from history. So like refs and coaches. And then there's early African-American pioneers committee. There's an international committee. And then there's a veterans committee of people that have retired 35 years plus. So there is a ton of committees and it's very confusing. And out of all the hall of fames, the basketball has the least transparency. So mm. I, I still, to this day, I've been doing this for years still to this day, haven't really got clear answers of how this works. And I've talked to former voters for plenty of years and they're like, yeah, it's always changing. It's confusing. I think you should be voted in, but not by the North American committee, Uh, really looking at NBA again. I think he had an insanely good NBA career. We've talked about it and he, he put up insane numbers. He was a great player, but what really to me holds him back, you know, He didn't, as you said, never won a championship. And then his accolades of the people voting at the time, whether it be the all-star teams, he only made three, the all-NBA appearances just made one-third team. That didn't show me enough dominance to to warrant the the Hall of Fame. He was an excellent player. He was always on the cusp of making all-NBA. I think he got votes like six different years. But again, one all-NBA, three all-star appearances – that just doesn't cut it when you're averaging 14 points a game for your career, six boards, three assists. But 
I think it really gets underlooked. And we talked about this earlier, right, Zach? Like he he was one of the first European players in the NBA, but not only that, he was really, I would say him and Drazen uh, Petrovic, who uh, unfortunately passed away right when he was getting very good in the NBA, they were the first kind of stars from Europe to really play in the NBA. When like when Arvadis Sabonis got in the NBA, he was already like on his last legs. He wasn't mm-hmm. a star and Vladi was good, but was never a star. Tony came in with all this hype, was never a star, but but Detlef was. Again, he was the first European guy to make an all-star team. He was the second European guy to make all-NBA. Like, he was truly set the stage for all the guys that would come later of, hey, European players can play in the NBA. He's a European pioneer. He showed they can be physical. They are skilled as a passer, shooter. I cannot understand, again, besides that he played college ball in America, it throws everyone off. I can't understand why he's not seeing the same light as these other European players. Um, I think he's a no-brainer for the international committee, and I think he should get in. Mm. And then do I think he'll get in? I I do. And Zach, I never really thought about it, how you're saying it, but you're making an excellent point. Seattle not having, like, them not having a team right now and him not having a home that is such a important part because franchises advocate for their players for the Hall of Fame. Again, it comes up in in, in discussions. You see their jerseys ha- hanging from the rafters, all that stuff. No one can really talk about the Sonics. I think that's hurt Sean Kemp, and I think that's hurting Detlef. And Ooh. when the NBA expands and they go, you know, they go to Vegas, they go to Seattle, and that's back, and he can be hanging around the stadium. You already said he's a big part of Seattle. Basketball's back in Seattle. I think that's really, really going to help his candidacy. And I, yeah. and I think he does get in. So um, next 15 years, I, I think that could happen. Um, but this is a guy I think one of, I don't want to say the most underlooked player in the 90s. I have to really think about it. But, but I think really when you drill into the numbers, you drill into what other people said about him, he's kind of a forgotten great 90s player. And it's hard to, it's hard to see why, but that Seattle component, I didn't really think about it. I think you're 100% on the money. I think if Seattle still had a team today, I think Detlef's a lot more talked about, and he might be in already. He mm. really might be. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's You're 100% on the money. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was, um, it's been a bummer having that team be gone. I obviously kind of adopted the Lakers as my team because we moved <laughs> to LA, and that's not been too bad. But no, I think... Um, yeah, I, I think it's a bummer. I think that seeing his jersey get retired, any of these moments, like you like you mentioned, like it just helps keep his name present. It helps yep. keep his name at the mind, at the fronts of the minds of voters, of fans, and um, I hope that you know when the Sonics come back, they do things to kind of honor those guys and get their names kind of front of mind. I I, I agree, and and hopefully that does happen, but. Uh, Zach, I want to thank you again for yep. coming on today. I again, '90s basketball. Anytime I can do this, I'm I'm in. This is a blast. Um, before we get you out of here, anything you're working on? Anything you want to plug here at the end? Sure, sure. So, uh, uh, follow me on let's see, TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram at Zach Zach Zach. It's just Z A C H spelled Z A C H three times, and um, follow me on there. I'm going to have some like long form YouTube videos coming out just that I'm putting out and putting together myself going to be doing more kind of Twitch streams and stuff like that going forward in the next kind of month or so. So tap in there, watch those things, tweet to me. Um, I'm trying to kind of figure out what my next like basketball pod or things like that will be as the basketball season gets here. So 
Yeah, that's it. Everyone, make sure you go check out Zach. Basketball season will be here before we know it. I know it's football season right now. Everyone's very excited, but basketball season is coming up next month. Zach, thank you so much for coming on. Had a blast and have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. All right, I want to thank Zach again for coming on the podcast today. Talk about deadlift. That is all we have. So if you don't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow our Twitter account at Pod of Fame. If you've done all that, you've done your homework. We will talk to you next Monday. Have a great week.